All right, guys. Hey, Luke 8. Or I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. Luke 8. We're going to do verses 1 through 15 tonight. Um, so take a moment. Please get there. Um, it's good to see you guys loving on each other. I'm so stoked. I say almost every week I get the chance when I'm up here. I love Wednesdays. You guys are family, and it's good to know that we have some good fellowship going on over here. So um, Luke 8, uh, 1 through 15. Um, when you get there, just give me an amen. Sweet. Before we get rolling, I want to pray um, that the Holy Spirit would fill this place and fill me up. Amen. Here we go. Father, thank you oh, so much for the opportunity to teach your word. It's not a light thing. It's not something that should be taken lightly. It's not something that we should just do loosely. So, Father, I pray that you would lead me tonight as I get to share part of your ministry, Lord. Um, and I know that, Lord, you desire for us to know what your intent for this scripture is for us, Lord. So please um, clear our hearts like David prayed, clear any distractions, clear any weirdness, any craziness of the week that we may be brought in. Lord, would you remove it, remove any distractions, remove the enemy from the room, um, and would you speak clearly through your word to us tonight, um, and in your perfect and holy name, amen. Amen. Uh, oh, you're late. All right, Luke 8, 1 through 15. Um, before we go, Mitch shared last week, and it was super stellar. Um, we talked about um, his, his point of emphasis was, hey, the word is rich and it's deep. We ought to know it. Um, and I, I took that away from, from last Wednesday, and I hope you guys were blessed as well. Um, but saying that, we're, we're continuing the same trend that we've been going through for the past few months. We're following Jesus, and we're following his ministry in this timeline so right after what Mitch taught, we're, we're just moving right along. So this is where we find ourselves, Luke 8, um, and I'll read 1 through 3. We're going to pause, um, and then we'll move on to the next verses. Sound good? Verse 1, now it came to pass, afterward he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. So... These next few verses in this verse, as I was studying, um, it's kind of just a general statement. It's just Luke giving us like, hey, this is happening. This is going on. And I found it cool in this first verse um, when it says, hey, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. Jesus' ministry, when I think about him and his teachings, I think about maybe the the harsh rebukes that he had against the spiritual leaders of the time, maybe turning tables um, or healings or casting out demons. But you just get this cool little snippet from Luke that says, hey, as Jesus was teaching, he brought glad tidings of his kingdom. Jesus, God incarnate in the flesh, was with his people sharing about his kingdom. The good news bringing the good news. And I, I, that was kind of all I really surmised from that. I'm sure we could go much deeper, but it was just this cool little caveat right up front here that says, hey, like this was and must have been a really cool and joyful experience for Jesus. Sharing with his people who he loved, people he, who, who he knew before the foundation of the earth, 
and he personally is giving glad tidings of his kingdom. Just a simple little statement there. Like I said, we could probably dive in and go super deep there, um, but I just love that. It must have been a joy for Jesus in his ministry, ministering to his people, healing people, seeing lives changed, and I like that we just get that. Hey, it was glad tidings that Jesus, city after city, healing people, loving on people, he was spreading good news, and it was a glad thing. Um, I think about like First Thessalonians 4, where it talks about, hey, like all these things should stir you up, and it's, it's, it's for your benefit. It should be glad tidings, something that we have hope in. Um, son, not again. Um, here we go, verse 2. Just kidding, buddy. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. So again, just a blanket statement of what is going on in Jesus' ministry. We get this cool little, hey, certain women were following Jesus, of whom had been healed of in, uh, evil spirits and infirmities, specifically Mary Magdalene. Here we get this picture. And Mary's also the one who was the first one at the tomb. Um, and Jesus had healed her of the seven demons who had come out of here. Her, Joanna, and Susanna are following. Did I say that correctly? Yes, Joanna and Susanna are just a few women named specifically who are following Jesus as he's traveling. And apparently them and others are giving to him from their substance. Um, the phrase that I kind of caught my mind when reading through this is, hey, if you've been forgiven much, you love much. And we get this cool picture of this woman, Mary, who had been changed radically. Um, the Lord had taken from her seven evil spirits, seven demons. And her reaction to this is she is just following closely Jesus. Wherever he went, she went. She followed. And apparently also caring for her Savior, maybe in ways that are physical, in the sense of maybe food or hemming garments, whatever it was. We don't know specifically, so I don't want to go into specifics. Um, but we see here that the Lord is being taken care of and ministered to by these ladies who are following him. Um, another cool point that I noticed when I was studying through is that Jesus' heart towards women specifically was very different than the spiritual leaders of that time who at times were maybe not even ministered to specifically or not even taught to. Given the lower place with Jesus, the best thing in the world for women, if anybody tries to tell you otherwise, dig into the Scripture. Show them, no, no, no. Jesus didn't set up this, this hierarchy of Man is greater, woman under. Now he did, as Steve has taught in weeks prior, hey, there is a way that the Lord has set up the household, Jesus being the head over the man, and the man the head over the woman who is to submit to him in a marriage, but also the man who is to love her as he loved the church, which is unconditionally and sacrificially even unto death. Amen? But we see this really cool thing that, hey, the Lord did teach these women. He did minister to these women. And in turn, they're following him and they're ministering to him. Even so, and maybe physical things, food, um, shelter. Uh, again, not specifically, but those are the things that I think as he's traveling, these ladies are taken care of. Amen? Just a cool little thought there. Take with that what you may. Um, but I thought those were a couple cool points. So again, verses 1 through 3 in chapter 8, 
We're just getting this blanket statement. These things were happening. Luke's letting us know context-wise. Here's what's going on. And then we're going we're gonna to jump into four. And here we go. The parable of the sower. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. So apparently, again, Jesus had brought in from every city as he's traveling a great multitude. As we see this multitude, uh, as again, as I was studying, it might have been a little different. Jesus is probably in round two of his cycle through the cities um, in Israel. And um, the first time he came through here, he didn't have the 12. But verse one says that, hey, now the 12 are gathered to him. Um, no doubt word had surrounded. But by this time, he's most likely and, and has rebuked the Pharisees, um, called them out. He's healed the sick. He's given sight to the blind. So he's been in ministry. And now it's these mixed crew of people who have been fed, who have heard, who are hungry to hear, people who are just following to find fault and scrutiny of our Jesus. And we get this great multitude. And he says he spoke by a parable. Now a parable, as we've discussed before, and if you've been going to church for any amount of time here, um, explained simply as it can be a an illustration that is not a real thing that has happened historically. It's simply a picture, but within that picture, it demonstrates a spiritual truth, a spiritual foundational truth. Um, some people kind of go back and forth on the, the, the gravity of these parables or all the different levels of, the, of these parables, but to simply put it, it's a picture that Though it did not happen historically or physically, it does paint a real truth and a real spiritual truth to the people that are listening. And then we're actually going to see a couple more characteristics of the parable a little later on, but we'll get to it first. Verse 5. This is Jesus saying, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He, he, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This was uh, before Jesse was born. Um, Marissa... She had been not bugging, where are you? Not bugging, but had been asking me, hey, let's plant a garden. Our neighbors have given us total permission to plant whatever we wanted to plant in the yard, but for her, she was like seven, I, if I'm getting this wrong, babe, I'm so sorry, like seven, maybe eight months pregnant with Jesse at the time, so pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. And so we didn't want to go down into the yard. Uh, she just wanted this like little box garden on the deck. So we go get the materials. We grab all the wood, we grab the nails, grab the screwdriver, uh, or the screw gun, all the stuff we needed for it, the soil, everything. We built this garden. Um, Marissa had bought the seeds. We wanted to do veggies. So we had like lettuce, or, oh, maybe not lettuce. We had like peppers, uh, jalapenos, red bell peppers, tomatoes, this like weed that grows tomatoes. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Um, green onion, and some other stuff. And so, I build this thing with her. It's hot out. We get it done. We put the soil in with the starter and the bulk of it. 
we water it, and then we had already had these like little seedlings rolling, so we just kind of moved the dirt away, planted it. And before Jesse was born, that thing got so much attention. It was cared for. It was, it was carefully studied. We were out there, and Marissa was out there every day saying like, oh, this one's growing. Like, oh, this one needs a little love. Here's some water. Oh, this one's not doing so well. Here we go. Oh, we're going to need to prop it up. And it got special and great attention during the time where Marissa was pregnant and at home a lot and resting and had the time to go out to our little garden box. And then Jesse's born, praise the Lord, healthy, awesome baby. Um, <laughs> and this garden, which had received so much attention, so much tending, just out of sight, out of mind. That poor thing, <laughs> every living thing in that garden just pff, died. Just uh, Jesse was born in the summer, so the heat rolled along. Everything sprang up, and the heat just cooked it. We didn't water it, <laughs> nothing. We watched these like ripe tomatoes just shrivel up into I don't even, like sun-dried tomatoes, but tomatoes are gross, so we didn't use them as such. All to say, in a silly little illustration, we get these four examples of this soil. And I don't want to go into the complete explanations of that because the benefit of us now having the scriptures in front of us is we get to see the full picture and the Lord's going to explain this parable in full in a moment. But just to paint that picture for you guys, you have this soil that is by the wayside, some on the rock, some that had thorns, and some that landed on good soil. And then the Lord says something interesting. He says, after the parable, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This wasn't a, in my opinion, um, and through what I've studied from what I've seen, um, and please do the studying on your own. Be Bereans. Look into it as well. But this wasn't a cry of like, hey, everyone, listen up. Listen to what I'm telling you. This is more the connotation of like, hey, if you have a spiritual ear to hear what I'm saying to you, pay attention to this. We kind of talked, I mentioned earlier how this crowd might have been jumbled with the spiritual leaders of the time who weren't there to necessarily be impacted spiritually. They were there to find fault. You might have had some that were there who had been fed who just wanted, they were hungry. That's why they were there. They were seeking maybe sustenance. Some we see as maybe in verses one through three, these women who are following and closely with Jesus who did want to know. You have the disciples who are following the Lord, and maybe they had an ear to hear. But it's kind of a cry of like, hey, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9, then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? So apparently, this parable, and go gentle on these guys, we have the full text in front of us, so we get the awesome benefit of being able to say, what do you mean? It's right here. They didn't have that, right? They just heard what Jesus had said to them, it's this parable, it's this kind of unknown thing, this mystery, and the disciples are curious, which is a good thing, and they say, hey, what does this mean? And verse 10, and he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. The word mysteries there isn't a... This is never to be known. It's a mystery we'll never know. It is a truth that um, can be uncovered. It's truth that can be sought after and found in Scripture. Um, we see that here in, in 
supported by what these guys have right here. But the Lord is saying, hey, like, to you it is known to know the mysteries. Um, but that also kind of brings in the balance of, like, hey, if these guys are to know it, then are others to not know it? What's the deal with that? What's going on? And then he gives this, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. That's from Isaiah 6, 9. Eyes were blinded and ears were closed off. So for these people, apparently there were some and the Lord knew who they were, but he spoke to them in parables to almost, it seems, and maybe not entirely, but kind of separate to say, hey, like there are some here that they desire to hear from me. This may be for their ears. This may be for their eyes to see and understand the mystery of what I'm telling you. For others, they'll hear this parable. It'll bounce right off their noggins. They don't care to seek deeply. They don't care to know fully. And they won't see. They won't understand. Um, but we get these disciples who are blessed. And the Lord speaks to them and says, hey, here's what it means. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So in this parable, so there seems to be a key. Kind of like when you do, I don't know, like a, what's a good example of this, Austin? Like a, like a word puzzle or something like that. And before you can complete the, world, the word puzzle, you need a key. If you don't have the key, you can't do the puzzle. There's like silly video game analogies that I'll bring up. But so you guys don't know that I'm a full nerd, I'll leave that out here. Um, but there is, in this parable, seems to be a key. So the Lord says, hey, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So cool, we know now, fully, the disciples know, are told by the Lord, hey, the seed is the word of God. Verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should deliver and be saved. So verse 5, I'm going to switch the word seed with the word of God. A sower went out to, to sow the word of God, and as he sowed, the word of God fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Um, verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones who hear the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. I don't know if you guys have ever been sharing. I'm sure Steve's got a ton of examples, or um, if you guys have had the opportunity, and I hope so, um, to share the word plainly, maybe even just text or a truth of the word. You share the word of God and it's almost met vehemently with anger or just a closed off, uh-uh, not happening. I have, I have no time for this. I have no patience for this. It's almost, like I said, vehemently met with anger. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. I have where... Um, you share a truth, maybe even something that the, word, the Lord has put on your heart to share with somebody, and it seems like it just, it hits the ground, it hits the soil, and just boom. Or it's just trampled on, or the bird just comes, snatches it, and takes it away. Apparently, for those hearts, for this type of soil, we kind of see that the devil has, I wouldn't say a say, maybe a say, but he has access to this soil. Apparently this heart, the person who hears the word that has this hard wayside soil has allowed the enemy to reside where the word wants to fall. And the enemy apparently, like I said, has authority to come in and snatch it or crush it, take it away so that lest they should believe and be saved. This is a scary one because it was, I kind of wrestled with this a little bit. I was like, well, wait a minute. 
like the sower is being faithful, right? The sower is doing what he's supposed to do when he's sowing the seed. He's putting the seed down as we're supposed to, right? The Lord gives the increase. The Lord brings the fruit. The sower is just doing his job, but it's hitting the soil. It's like, well, why plant there? But it's cool for us to remember if we're sharing or even if we're like Steve or David or even myself at times are up here, there may be wayside soil, and it's not our job to inspect that. It's our job to sow that seed and to be faithful with that. But it's interesting to me that the, the devil is allowed to come in and take it away. I thought about maybe a distracted, a distracted heart who shows up on a Wednesday or a Sunday with a million things going on, or maybe you would drag the church. You didn't want to be here. You didn't have to be here. You just you rolled in, but there's no intent. You've left no room, no soft soil for the word to fall on. And whether it be your phone or a game going on or simply a hard heart closed off to the word, the enemy can come in, and he's good at this. He's been doing it a long time. Comes in, takes away the seed, takes away the word, the word that Steve is sharing faithfully or David or whoever's up here sharing faithfully, the seed is going out, the word is going out. But because of the soil, the enemy can come in even into their heart, into this building and say, nope, take it away before they even exit the door. There's no, there's no access. So that's the first soil. And it's heavy and it's crazy. Um, with that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to this a little later, maybe how that applies to us. Um, but that's the first type of soil. Verse 13, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Um, in Israel, apparently, um, kind of the picture that they would see, maybe as Jesus was saying this, is the hillsides, um, they have like shallow soil. I was reading some, some studies and some, I listen to a lot of um, pastors who I know and trust. If I know that I'm teaching, I'll, I'll listen to them teach on this passage. And every single one of them brought up this point. In Israel, and Steve might be able to back me up on this one, maybe not. Um, I'm sure he could. Some soil that was on the hills or on the rocks, um, it was only maybe a few inches deep. And in the sun, it would be, the soil would be warm, and if there was any moisture at all, um, some would quickly germinate. But underneath that top layer of soil, about three, maybe six inches deep, is limestone. It's hard. So there's no, there's no way for whatever is growing to get deep. There's no room for it to really grow deep roots. And as we look at this, this soil, or kind of the connotation is this this heart posture towards the word the, what i was reading and studying is this is kind of the emotional responder to the word it's a quick like and i'm sure maybe you guys have been in this spot before i know i have where you hear a teaching the spirit is moving and it's this wow maybe tears maybe tears are flowing and there's a proper like lord i give you my life or lord i give you this or i'll never do this again this was so good and the scripture went out and it fell into the soil, and it planted, and it, it produced a fruit, but it was short. It wasn't long-lasting. It had no depth. Therefore, when the hard times came, or when time goes on, that emotion, that emotional response that we had to the Word, 
quickly fades away. There's no depth. There's no deeper understanding or even maybe a follow-up in pursuit of that word or pursuit of the Lord, but that fruit that sprung up quickly dies. When it comes into the heat, into the fire, or the, the hot sun that bakes down on that soil, it's going to fade away. It's had no opportunity to grow deep roots. And so this soil, we see just an emotional response. I think something that is maybe relatable to us with this, um, not necessarily us personally, personally, maybe, but I think you see this a lot with church bouncing. It's like, yeah, this was really good. This pastor, the word that was spoken, it was so awesome. And I responded, oh, it was great. This church is awesome. This spirit is moving. And then you go, and then maybe, oh, this, this was a little challenging. I didn't want to hear that. Ooh, this was like, that was a hard word for me to hear. And it was kind of this like, ah, oh, like the emotional roller coaster, I, I dipped. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe this church over here has that. Something to tickle my ear, something to produce this feeling again, feel like the Spirit is moving. And without kind of this understanding that the Spirit is working in our hearts rather than just the feelings that we get during a teaching, I think that's kind of the something to be aware of in our own lives and something to be aware of and maybe even call out if we see of like, hey, dude, like, stay put. Like, if you're bouncing around, if you're doing this and you're jumping everywhere looking for that spiritual high or that that emotional feeling, you won't always have that. There needs to be a steadiness, a faithfulness of continuing your walk with the Lord, enduring hardship, because it will come, and it will dry up if we just rely on those emotions. Growing up, um, there were a few of those listening to my dad, and I'd be sitting in the pew and mostly just ears closed because I hear him on the thing, I hear him at home, I hear, I hear him everywhere. <laughs> So it's just like, oh, man. But every once in a while, it was like, oh, that was good. And I wanted, to, I wanted to change, and I wanted to do the right thing, but I wasn't putting down any roots. I wasn't really cracking open the Word and pursuing the Lord and saying, Lord, what else do you have? Lord, I want to walk with you hand in hand. Lord, Spirit, lead me. It was just kind of like, oh, that was good. Oh, man, yeah, I'll, I'll stop doing that. Never cracking open my Bible, going to school, listening to whatever I wanted to listen to, and next thing you know, I'm just, I'm back, just, when is this pastor guy going to just shut it so I can go home? <laughs> and then there he was to remind me of the word when I got home. I love you, Dad, so very much. Um, 14. Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, <coughs> excuse me, guys, one moment. I got lucky this one was fresh when I got up here. Now the ones that fell among the thorns. Ooh, who when they have heard go out and are choked with cares. Riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. It talks in, I think it was seven. It says some some of that seed, the word, fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. So for this, we see the fruit is coming up. It's sprouting, but alongside it, in that same soil, <coughs> excuse me, guys, is cares, 
of the world, riches and pleasures of life. That first word cares is like that day-to-day cares of the world. How are we going to pay the bills? What car am I driving? What are we going to eat? What are we going to do tonight? What movie are we going to watch? Like things like that. And maybe you could fill in the blank there. But the term right there is like, hey, it's this cares of your daily life, the, the humdrum of the day that we just sit around and we worry about. I think this one is an easy one to fall into. And I think I've learned as I've grown, gotten married, pay the bills, it's easy to really worry about where the meal is going to come from. How are the bills going to get paid? What are we going to do here? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about the car that I need to sell? Da, 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 da. And it can so easily grow up with the fruit and choke it out. Along with that, the pleasures of life and riches. Guys, basically what this soil is, is there may be room. There's something sprouting. <clears throat> there's fruit. But alongside the fruit, almost put on the same level, it seems like, of importance because it's in the soil with the good seed. And almost on the same pedestal, wrongly, is the cares. For this individual, it could be the new car, the job they must have, the position, the whatever it is. I'm sure you guys, it doesn't take long to think of something right off the top because for us and for me, there's usually something right at the forefront of my mind of like, you know what, that, that care and the pleasure of life, it, it really does take its spot back in the soil if I'm not careful. So we have that soil that though there's fruit, it never re- reaches <clears throat> full maturity and gets choked out by the cares of the world. Okay? Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. The sickness that I got like three weeks ago, it's chilling. Still with me. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit. And I think this is key with patience. The soil that was healthy <clears throat> and tilled up when the garden box was first built and cared and looked after, that's the soil where the word fell. It grows deep roots and it brings fruit. Like it says in verse, um, verse 8, grows a hundredfold. <clears throat> so you get these four different soils. And it was kind of a, actually a little bit of a struggle with this. Is like everybody's heard this. Where do you go? How do you, how do you teach this in a way that's fresh, in a way that's new? And the Lord just like, hey, You have the seed, the Word of God. It's not your job to till the soil. It's not your job to fix the heart posture of what's going out. Your job is to spread the soil, or I'm sorry, um, throw the seeds, and it's my job to work with the soil. And so I was encouraged reading this, and I read through that, and I was trying to think through application, and I think I, I do have one, but if you are sharing the truth, if you are sharing the word, remember. It says <clears throat> in verse 6, a sower went out to sow the seed. Guys, for us, we have the word of God. Amen. We have the full, total, complete word of God in its, in its totality, as Mitch was teaching. It's rich, it's deep, and it's good for us. For us, as the sowers of the seed, as we're called to give the word, put truth of the word out there, It's not necessarily, though we should be able to, 
It's not necessarily our responsibility to defend the word, though we should, like I said, be able to. It's our responsibility to share the word and to share the word plainly. I think it's a, it's <clears throat> it's a challenge to, when you are sharing with somebody, to want to like defend every um, eschatological point and um, make sure you have all your ducks in a row and you want to make sure that you can defeat their logic of evolution or what it is by scripture and defend it all to a T. And I think that it's right, but also I think we need to understand, hey, in faith, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate the bone from the marrow. This word is powerful, guys, and it's, and it's living. And I know it's easy to say, like, well, I need to, I need to know how to do this, and it won't, it won't quite land if I don't make my point pretty or if I don't make my point interesting. Uh-uh. The sower reached into the bag, had the seed, and put it on the soil. So as an encouragement to you, when you are sharing, and please be sharing, hey, bring, you can bring the word simply, and it's the Lord who brings the increase. Amen? So I thought that was cool um, and practical. And then a reminder for you guys, if you are sharing with people, hey, bring the word and bring it simply. Amen? We need to know our word like Mitch was teaching. We need to know what it says. We need to, we need to understand that it is true. We need to understand <clears throat> how to interpret it. And we're growing in that. We're, we're, we're growing in our understanding of the word, hopefully. I know I am. Um, but we can bring it simply. Secondly, I think that these soils can be found in maybe in each of us or we need to be aware of the characteristics of these soils in us anytime that we are maybe sitting down to read the word or definitely coming into this building. Have we given ground for the enemy to step in, take the seed, take the word, <clears throat> stomp it out, and throw it away? Now, this is being told in verse 5, I'm sorry, <clears throat> in verse 12, it says, lest they should believe and be saved. So the connotation here is it's the unbeliever who the enemy is taking that seed from so they, they don't hear and they're not saved. But I think also, and <clears throat> kind of just my opinion, please study it for yourself, but I think it's wise for us to understand, hey, like, have I grown calloused and cold to what the Lord wants to say to me in His Word? Have I allowed ground, sin, for the enemy to just come in and take that seed and stomp it out? And there have been times, I think, in my walk where I'm just maybe not in fellowship with the Lord like I should be, or maybe even struggling with sin. And there's times where I could sit there, or whether it's in Oregon or here, listening to Steve or my dad, and the seed just, it does nothing. It just hits my heart or hits my ears and it falls to the ground. And I don't, I've allowed the enemy to dictate what happens with that word. So I think one, we need to be aware that, hey, have we allowed room for the enemy to sneak in and stomp out what's being taught? Stomp out the word. We need to be careful of that. <clears throat> Are we too emotionally driven? Are we not putting down full roots? Are we just here to get our ears tickled and have a feel-good thing every time we step into church? Or are we here to put down deep roots? Um, I think, like I said, maybe this applies to you. If not, 
Awesome. But I think for those here, are we here just to catch a good feeling? Are we here just to like get spurred up for a good week and never let our fruit mature with patience? Is that us? Are we letting the cares of the world creep in and grow with what the Lord wants to grow? I think this one maybe for us in the States, they're all practical. But I think this one for us is something that maybe we struggle with more. I think this one for me, I think I wrestle with more is, Lord, I, I'm worried about this. I need to get this done. Or I do a lot. I do AC, so I go into big houses, and they're beautiful. And I'm installing AC, and I'm sweating, and it's hot. And I'm looking at this house, and I'm like, gosh, that'd be nice to come home and have this. Like, oh, man, like I, I just want this money, or I just want this home, or and next thing I know, I'm, I'm worried about the cares and the riches more than what the Lord's trying to do in my heart through His Word. And I'm worried more about the thorns than I am the fruit. So maybe that's you. Maybe that's, maybe that's where we're at. Lastly, <clears throat> and I think our goal, obviously our goal, we should, if we're going to pick any of the four soils, pick verse 16, pick verse 8. We want to have soft, deep, rich, healthy soil. One of the characteristics that we'll see here, it bears fruit with patience. We don't, we don't burn out when the trials come. It's hard. We may want to, but when the trials come and the, and the fire comes, the fruit stays because we're rooted in the truth of God's Word. Amen? We want to be, be able to point to, hey, the Lord doesn't give me anything that I, he knows that I can't handle. He won't give me those things. Like, no, I like, hey, I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm not going to walk in the flesh. I'm going to walk in fellowship with the Lord. I'm going to trust his word more than the moment, more than what the enemy's telling me. I'm going to trust his word more than what whispers I get from the enemy, what fiery darts come my way. I'm going to put down deep roots because that's the heart posture we want to come with every week. And I know it's hard. It doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes it's hard to get to church and to, and to sit attentively and say, Lord, what do you have for me? And it's not what do you have for me to hear, it's what do you have for me to hear and then do. That's the big one. But I think if we're honest with ourselves and if we're, we're honest with ourselves and the Lord, the Lord is the one that brings the fruit, tills the soil. He'll do the work on your heart. Amen? He's the heart surgeon. We just lay on the table, as Steve likes to, Steve likes to say. <clears throat> it's not our job to go in there and, and cut open our heart and take out what's wrong in there. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change the heart, change us from the inside out. But I think it is a responsibility of ours. Like when we take communion, we talk about when we take communion, it's like, hey, what's, what's on the table? Are you struggling with anything right now? Let's, let's handle it. I think when we step in for service and Steve prayed it before, and I, I got to pray it for you over you guys, or even back, I remember, in prayer meetings at Coastline in Oregon. And my dad or Steve, <clears throat> whoever's teaching, would pray like, Lord, prepare the hearts of those who come to hear, praying for you guys. And I always thought it was interesting because it's like, well, what does that fully mean? But when you see the context and what this scripture talks about, it's, we want you guys to come in with soil that is ready to hear what the Spirit would like you to hear. Amen? 
We want you guys to be impacted, not for the moment, not for the week. We want you guys to bear fruit with eternal bearing. We want to we bear fruit that we, when all is done and the Bema Seat judgment is taking place and the Lord is taking the dross out and, and the fine silvers and golds and says, and we, gives us like, hey, this is what you've done with your life. This was the fruit. We want to be able to throw it back at His feet. We want to have something to, to give. We've been talking about my wife and I. It's just been in every podcast, it seems like, in every teaching is this idea and this truth of like, hey, like we run this race for a prize. We want to bear good fruit because we want something that mattered for our lives. We want to have something to, to take with us. I don't want to have fruit that was choked out and raisiny. Nobody likes raisins. Maybe you like raisins. Um, I don't want to have fruit that never reached maturity or fruit that doesn't exist because it fell on hard ground. I want, when my life is over, the Lord to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because we bared fruit with patience. Guys, that's kind of the last one. You may be saying like, well, I, I want to have this heart. I think I have this heart. Hey, you're going to bear fruit with patience. It may not happen right now, but as we're putting down those deep roots, as we're reading the word and we're filled with truth and we're walking with the Lord, those fruits will spring up. They will rise up. Um, that's what I got. Um, we're going to do... You down, Austin? You down? <clears throat> My thought for tonight was... Uh, and I'm going to stay up here. We're going to do one song. And, but during the song, I want you guys to pray. Say, Lord, where's my heart at? Am I, do I have hard soil? Is it shallow? Is junk growing inside of the soil of my heart that's just in the way of putting down lasting, fruitful roots? So pray through that. Maybe it's just a minute. Maybe it's five the 11-minute song that Austin's about to play us. Or <laughs> but I, I want you guys to think of <laughs> Deathbed by Reliant K. Great one, by the way. <clears throat> but I want you guys to take a little time during the song, pray about it. Say, Lord, where am I at? What do, what do you want to do in my heart? Guys, very honestly, this was a really, it was a challenging passage to read because as I was reading it the magnifying glass or the mirror was just like and pointed right at me and I was like oh Lord forgive me like my soil it's 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 hard it's callous like I care too much about what's in the bank account like oh Lord forgive me I do look for the emotional pickup and Lord I, I want to grow deep roots I want your your word to change me from the inside out. I want to bear fruit. So take a few minutes while the song is going, um, and after the song, I'll pray us out. And uh, yeah.